Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. <laughs> my dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) Today's guest walked into a bar and told his dad it was time to leave. He is overcoming his daddy's flaws and he's a better man for it. Introducing Mississippi's biggest podcaster, Mr. Dylan Hodge. Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, you ready to rock and roll? Ready to go. (laughs) Awesome. I was just listening to your last episode with Kendall, and you did a little singing on there. I liked that. What did I do? Do you remember? (laughs) I'm like imitating a style of singing on. Hold on, I'm going to tell you. Right. Because like Kendall Hunt. Yes, Kendall Hunt. You were talking about right. the style and blackout, and you did a little bit of like an. Imitation. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I did the uh, imitation of Seether featuring Amy Lee on Broken. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yes, I actually really liked that. You have a nice voice. No, I don't. <laughs> that's why I do a podcast. <laughs> I liked that. I was wondering, like, I know you've said that music is everything to you. Do you sing? Do you write music? I don't sing. Well, I mean, I sing like at home in the shower, those types of things. Not music. I write lyrics. I can't read a, a word of music notes, but I do write some lyrics. That's cool. Yeah. So talk to me about why music is everything to you. Music's there for you when it's not. For me, music is healing. 100%. It's for me, people go, oh, there's a mood for everything. No, not for me. For me, my mood is the slow, sad type of stuff, just because it's just, there's a lot of meaning in those slow, sad songs that don't really get across on the up-tempo, get funky type of songs, if that makes sense. So, but music is, I mean, for me, music is the one thing in life that makes me emotional. It's one of those things that's just... It grabs me by my feet and pulls me in every time I listen to it. I can totally relate to that. Like when I hear someone sing with like heart and soul and I feel that it brings me to tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not even when it's just, you know, I'm pregnant or, you know, feeling emotional, but oh my God, there's so many stories too of when people have like stood up and just have something to sing about from their soul. That really gets me. <laughs> those American idols. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love those kind of stories. You know, anytime I hear somebody sing, I can't help falling in love from Elvis Presley. That is one of those that is just one of those that will make you tear up. Because it's just Elvis had this thing about him that a lot of people don't have. Sure, he was a rock star. Yes. But also a lot of people don't realize that he stole a lot of his music. 
He stole music from other artists because who was going to tell Elvis Presley no? Nobody was going to tell Elvis no. So when he was doing that, he was just making these songwriters and these songs bigger than the people that originally sang could imagine. And it's just, you know, like Willie Nelson, he did a, some Bob Dylan stuff. It's just, it's just crazy to see the impact that Elvis and anybody that has long, you know, long lived in the music industry is still going today. It's crazy to me. And Elvis just happens to be my all-time favorite. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen it. They're doing a Elvis biopic like an actual movie that has been shot like Graceland has like they're like hey look we're fully on board it's coming out next month it's got Tom Hanks in it playing Colonel Tom Parker and I am like all in I've probably seen the trailer a dozen times because I'm like this is absolutely crazy like but the movie just looks so good like it's, it's crazy how good it looks and to have Graceland and Lisa Marie all backing them up and they're saying, look, this is not your average television Elvis movie. This is a strictly $100 million movie that we've made and it's brilliant. That just makes me <laughs> nerd out about it even more. Yeah, you sound like you're on the edge of your seat. Also, I just recently <laughs> read about Lisa Marie. Was it her son? Mm -hmm. That committed suicide. Yes. That I... was a that was a couple of years ago. From what I heard, I now nah, don't don't take my word. I, I heard that he was just getting the fact that he was just like his grandfather, just like his grandfather. He didn't want to be like him. But I mean, to make their point thoroughly, he looks just like the guy. He looks just like Elvis, like identical. And it's like you do look like you're, you know what I mean? It's like, but you do look like him, but we don't know what people are dealing with on the outside, on the inside, you know, so we don't, you can't, you can't justify what it was. That's actually a good transition because I know that you yourself have talked about mental health. When did mental health start being on your radar? I think I've always had some sort of it because from what I was told, like in school, I would always second guess myself. I would always be erasing answers I had correctly until there was a hole in the paper. Like I would literally rub a hole in the desk just because I was unsure of myself. But I got on medication for anxiety. Was it ninth grade? Maybe my freshman year of high school, because I remember I was pacing around. I didn't know what was going on. I was pacing back and forth. I was doing anything. So I was like, hey, mom, do you know I'm, I'm sick? I don't know what's going on. And she goes, it may be anxiety. She said, I'll make your doctor's appointment. Just calm down, you know, drink some water, whatever. So I did that. The next day, keep in mind, my mom worked in the cafeteria for two or three years at the high school. So the next day, I would say, I was sitting in the classroom and I remember just, I remember sitting there really. And I remember the teacher passing out papers. I remember getting my pen out of my bag and that's all I remember. Next thing I know, I'm in the hospital because apparently I had this gigantic anxiety, panic attack all at the same time. And nobody really knew the reason why. I was told that a student walked me from the classroom to the cafeteria. Mom saw me, started freaking out, said my mouth was on the side of my face. She said I was freaking. She was freaking out. So she rushed me to the hospital. And I remember sitting there and be like, I don't really understand what's happening. It's kind of like getting out of a daze. Like, I don't remember literally anything except for the about to work on a piece of paper. And that was it. Waking up in the hospital, knew nothing. And then what happened? I got on medication, right? The first medication didn't work. The second medication I was on for a long time. So then I realized after two, three years that the medication I was on was no longer working. So I go back to the doctor. I go to a new doctor. 
And I'm like, look, this medication is not working. They won't transcribe me to anything else that I can't do, you know, and they go, well, what do they have you on? It was a certain medication. And they go, why they put you on that for two or three years? I was like, well, it beats me. They're the doctor. And they go, well, that's just for like short term, like two or three months. So I've been taking this medicine that was for short term anxiety for two or three years. And the fact is, I was legit. I was like, hey, it's not getting better. It's actually, in fact, kind of getting a little worse. And I'm taking my medicine every single day. Sometimes I'm doubling the dose, which don't do unless your doctor tells you to. But it was like, didn't know what to do. And I've been on the off brand of Xanax for about two years now. And I'm going to have to go back pretty soon because it's just I need a higher dose. <laughs> my mom has it as well. And so my grandma suffers from my mom suffers from depression. And I got that gene of the anxiety depression realm. So it's it's an everyday struggle kind of. But you just get your mind off of it. Would you say that music has helped with that? 100%. I say music and TV and movies. You know, I'm, I'm a big movie and music nerd. I know everything about them. And it's just get your mind off of it and study on something else. Because I will be sitting, like, I will literally can't shut my brain up sometimes. It's just, you know, you sit there and it's like, oh, you got voices in your head telling you, you know, you used to live at home and you're almost 25 years old. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And it's like, sometimes you just have to shut the fuck up. I mean, be completely honest. And you're like, you're trying your best. You're actually legitimately trying. You've got money saved, but the money you should save, you're going into the podcast for it to be more successful. Just calm down and you're going to make it. It's going to be okay. I love that. You know, I was thinking about this interview last night and I was like, okay, you have been doing this for five plus years. You have reached out to people that probably intimidate you and scare you. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Yes. You've given people their first podcast. Some of the people that you've interviewed have never done it before. And you've gotten a sponsor. You've gotten confidence. I have We've so gotten two sponsors. <laughs> exactly. Hey, that matters. I want to give you like, honestly, such, you know, admiration for that, especially like there are so many days where I just want to throw in the towel, you know, you've been doing it for a long mm -hmm. time and been super consistent. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know mm -hmm. like how that has grown you as a person. Well, when I first started out, I did, I started the podcast a year after high school. I decided when I graduated high school, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a semester off school. I'm just going to chill out. I started a job work from August to Christmas. And I started my first semester of college that January, I would say, because I gave, yeah, I gave a two weeks notice of work and I started college first semester in January. So I was struggling with a lot of mental stuff, right? Depression and anxiety. So my mom thought the right way was to do it online instead of me being in person. So it actually went fairly well. You know, I was, cause I, I'm a fast learner. Once I know something, I know it. And here's my thing. I think if you're in college, you should literally do a, an online course. They are for one, you can go your own speed. Like they will give you a six week deadline and they'll say, all this needs to be done in six weeks. For me, I could get it all done in two and a half, three. That way I would have that last three weeks to do whatever, right? Well, I didn't really get the school college thing. Cause it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be at first a physical therapist, but then realized that you had to be a doctor. And so I was like, I'm not going another eight, nine, 10 years of school. What's something else that I want to do? I love to write. I love to, to do music. So I was going for musical journalism. And then the two semesters, after two semesters, I gave it up. I was like, I'm done. I, I, I'm done. I don't want to do this no more. 
So what do I do? A person that loves music, can't sing, can't do anything, can't play a musical instrument, start a podcast. When I first started the podcast, my biggest hero was Howard Stern. Like that was the guy you wanted to be like. But then you realize you didn't know, I didn't know that the Howard Stern on the radio was a character that the actual Howard Stern was portraying. So I took on this dickish personality during my conversations and it ended up losing a lot of people because I was like, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be the straightforward. I'm going to ask the questions nobody wants to know. You can't really do that and nobody knows who you are. Like that's why Howard Stern does it because they know, oh shit, Howard Stern, you better be prepared to cry. It's helped me grow because you just learn along the way. You grow up along the way. You learn a lot of stuff that you, because I've taught myself every single thing I do. My friend Chase from YouTube has helped me edit some videos and I'll try to teach me the ways, edit videos, try to make my stuff better. I grow just by learning because a lot of people, they're like, I don't like to learn. Well, for me, if you you don't like to learn, you don't need to work at all. You just need to stay at home and be a bum because learning is an everyday thing, job, hobby, whatever. So I grow by learning and teaching myself things. And also by learning from people on the podcast and it helps me grow. It's like, oh, wow, maybe I need to get into that because that sounds interesting. Like I don't know a lick about advertising or anything. I am terrible at that. But then you have people on the podcast that are kind of mature enough to learn the aspects of advertisement and they teach you. Then you're kind of like, oh, I understand. So now like I get out with different production companies for music, like like a certain production company reads it to me. Hey, we want you to interview these people. I used to not have the hair on the back of my neck to stand up to these people and explain what I want in my podcast. I would just put the tail between my legs and just say, okay, cool, let's do it. But then when you get these people and you actually learn and you grow a backbone and you say, look, if you don't show up on time, that's a $50 fine. If you don't share on your Instagram or your social media, that's a $50 fine because I'm not giving out my hour to an hour and a half just for somebody to promote some stuff and then just not care about it at the end. And so once I did that, I think those people have kind of looked at me and they're like, oh, wow, this guy is actually... He's legit because they're they're like, they'll be on 10 minutes early. They'll do this. They're doing this. They're doing this. They're like, here's a $50 deposit just in case something happens. And it's like, if I would have done this earlier, I would have been a whole much better boat than I am now <laughs> instead of doing it right now. It's just the fact of respect going both ways. Because if you have a guest on, sometimes they'll be like, hey, man, just let me know when it's up. Or, hey, Rena, let me know when it's up and I'll post it. And then they just kind of just forget about you. And they're like, eh, let his audience figure it out because I done promoted what I wanted to promote. And they're like, we don't care anymore. But then it's like, if you do that, then I have no respect to put it out. You know what I mean? It's just the respect goes both ways. And my respect of having you on my show that I don't have to have you on. And then you either treat me like crap or you don't do your endeavors in the end. Then that just shows that, okay, I'm not going to work with you anymore. And I've, I've done that plenty of times. Heck yeah. I appreciate that. What's the dream now? I know you talked about wanting to move into production. Like if money weren't an issue and you could just do the work that lights you up, what would that look like? That would be owning the biggest production company in the world. I don't want to be someone that specifies like, like, okay, take for example, Steve Jobs. His specification is electronics. You got the iPhone, the iPad, you got earbuds, you've got TVs, you got all these things he's branched out on. But it's just the electronic world, right? My production is, since my last name is Hodge, HodgePodge, right? Variety of sorts of things. Here's where that comes into play. HodgePodge Productions. What does that mean? 
that means movies, video games, TV shows, music, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. So it's kind of, I want to take over the realm of what production companies need to be. I don't want to just have a a podcast production company. That's fine. But I also want to branch out into things that I enjoy. Hey, you want to publish a book? Here's the money to publish you a book. I know how to do it. You want to produce a movie? Here's a million dollars. Go make this movie for this cheap. That type of thing. Music is the backbone of what it stands on. But also, how long can you stand in one genre or one artifact? You kind of have to move to different things. That's kind of like Steve Jobs. If he would have stuck with the Apple One, he can, he would have fizzled out. He would have faded out. It's like music. Why don't you hear about a lot of jazz musicians blowing up? Because jazz didn't follow along the roots and they didn't evolve. They stayed exactly the same tempo, mood, what you have to be. So if you move into the right direction of what you want, you're going to get it. What are you learning now to get to that? I am learning how to do all that stuff. First of all, I'm learning how to manage my money correctly and say, okay, podcast needs this much because I like I don't I don't pay for guests. I, I offer to pay for guests sometimes. Like there was a couple of wrestlers that I really enjoyed. I was like, hey, I'll do this amount of money. And they're like, nah, man, we're just good. So I was like, okay, cool. So I put that aside. So it's like technical difficulties. If I need a new laptop or if my microphone goes out, I just bought a new pair of headphones. I just upgraded to a different platform that I record my stuff on. And all that goes into one pile. Now it's like, okay, what do you want to do next? What's the next step besides a podcast? Is it the television movie realm or is it, okay, let's put some money together and let's produce an album in Nashville. Let's cause that's, that's probably not hard. You can come to some of those independent people I have on the podcast, be like, Hey, look, here's 1500 bucks, go make an album or whatever. And then you will just pay for the studio time, the band, the, the in-studio musicians. So it's just managing your money and where the exact line you want to go next is. Plus there's also reading a lot of books, watching videos, all that type of stuff. So like I do a lot like, People just go, oh, this this microphone's good. Now, for me, I watch video after video, podcast after podcast, listening to which microphone you need to use. It's just research. Do you have any recommendations? I use this. This is a Icodon. This was a $150 microphone, and it's just a USB port because I plug all of my – I've got a giant USB connector here that has, like, 12 connections, and I just plug it into my laptop. So – because – I don't have one of those sound boards or anything like that. I'm all old fashioned because you can do everything right here on a computer with a USB mic. It, it doesn't have to be nothing special. Yeah, I think keep it simple, right? What about any books that you've read? Anything that's been really useful? Ooh, you know what? I am a big fan of Shark Tank, that TV show. I've read all those guys' books. The one that's helped me the most, though, is probably would probably be the Barbara Corcoran. Her book is just so because she went from starting a business for at two dollars. Like she was like, OK, here I only have two dollars. How do I make this into 200 million? And she kind of just went into the realm of this is how I did it. But there's also, you know, you can look at those books and realize what people have done, like the self-help books. But I find reading memoirs or autobiographical book, I think those are more help than the self-help because you realize the path that they went down and how you can kind of follow in their footsteps, so to say, or figure out where they flawed and say, oh, if they would have went down path R, they could have done this instead of going down path B. You know, you can go down path B instead of path R. Okay. That's a really good transition into your memoir. Let's talk about your memoir. Let's talk about your life. I know that you wrote something personal that you're going to share today. (laughs) Yeah, actually, when I, when, when you said that, would you share, 
I didn't realize you're talking on a podcast. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, once I realized, I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. I'm open to do anything. What do you want to know? Do you want to share your poem? You can do it right now? Yeah. Okay, sure. Wrote it in my journal here. I journal every day. Because if I have a problem, I don't really like talking it out to a lot of people just because they'll have their own opinions or whatever. So I just write it out. Sometimes, here's a good thing for you. If you journal, a lot of times you're going to answer your own questions. I will do that all the time. I'll text my friend. I'm like, shy, let me ask you something. And I'll go, never mind. I just figured it out myself by texting you. And it's just like, you know what? It's not a bother people. Why don't you just journal? All right, so let's see. It's, it's the best thing to do because it just gets your mind off everything. Like I was looking while I was looking for this poem thing, I was looking through here and I was like, there is a lot of political notes in here that <laughs> I was like, this is too much. Like if people were published this, they'd get pissed. Okay, here we go. Ready for this, Rena? It's going to blow your socks off. I am. <laughs> Thank you All so right. much for being open so, to doing this. Yeah, it's, it's life. Everybody knows about it. So it's, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not breaking news. We never knew why mama cried where daddy would go at night we just go to bed get up it'd be just like new if only we had knew that mama was a bible reader and daddy was a cold beer drinker mama was a saint while daddy stayed out late we didn't care we didn't understand why mama prayed and daddy drank there you go that could definitely be a country song <laughs> exactly <laughs> wow what does that exactly. bring up for you how old were you when you wrote that um last year Maybe 23, really? depending on when I wrote it. Mm -hmm. To me, it kind of like feels like a young child. Right. That was kind of the reasoning behind it. Because when all this was happening, I was kind of a in the teenager realm thing. And I was trying to do it from my point of view at that time. So here's the story. So I started the podcast out of high school. So I was 19. So probably the summer of 2017. So I graduated in 16. So the summer of 17, I decided that I want to throw this giant concert series. It was going to be series one of, a, you know, I had my friend Derek come and we were like, hey, look, we, we don't have the money to pay you. But with all the promotion that we're doing, you can get, how about you just do half of the ticket sales, half the door entrances, right? I was like, he's like, cool, that works. We, we made a contract where he was doing it. So you couldn't deny it or anything like that. So we rented a Coke truck, we rented a food, but we rented everything. It was like one giant outside event. It bombed. Oh my God. We made probably 75 bucks. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It, oh, I mean, we had sponsors and they were, we had sponsors. I would go, I went around, I was killing this getting sponsors. I mean, we probably had $2,000 just in sponsors. I was like, look, I don't care how much you can give me, just give me something. So we go around to these new businesses. And of course, the new businesses are like, absolutely, we'll give you 200, we'll give you 300. So we had like $1,000 that went up to pay for all the concessions. So all that was kind of paid for. We didn't really lose money, but we were planning on making a whole bunch of money just because there was nothing like this in my small town. Well, so when this was happening and we saw the turnout, right, of the 15 people that were there, <laughs> the 15 people that showed up was rough, right? And so my dad was drinking and I was like, damn, he hadn't had a drink in a long time. You know, and I was like, what, what the fuck's up? And I was like, damn, I should have threw this. I, I knew I should have threw it. So fast forward four months, maybe something happened. My dad would go to the bar every weekend, I would say. And I remember one time my mom got tired of it. She dragged me out of the house and she said, I'm going to go get your dad. And I said, okay. 
you don't know you're I'm 19 I'm playing video games probably you know, I don't know go to the bar and she goes in and she goes back out she goes Dylan I need you to go get him out he'll listen to you I went in and I went to the because I'm 19 I'm not old enough to get in the bar and I went over to the guy and I said hey, look my dad's over there is there any way I can just go talk to him he's like sure I'm gonna keep my eyes on you though but go ahead and I go and I say hey dad come on let's go please listen to me he never listened to me listen to me this time Rena, I got this blank stare I have never seen before in my life. It was just a, and I said, okay. I walked out. I got in the car and I said, mom, let's go home. He's not coming. Whole, we're probably 20 minutes away from the house and we're sitting there and she goes, do me a favor. I said, yeah. She goes, don't ever treat the person you're going to grow old with like, like that. Don't ever do that. I heard her tears hit the floor on the quiet car ride home. And I said, okay. And I have never taken a drink of alcohol. I've never done i've never even smoked pot i've never done anything because i kept the promise and i intend to keep the promise wow that is a very powerful lesson yeah oh my god (laughs) talking about taking dark turns huh have you talked to your dad about that now Mm -mm. really you just moved Mm -hmm. forward from it and didn't talk about it yep pretty much oh my gosh don't want to don't want to i don't need to I understand it was a bad place in, yeah. in his time. So nothing, nothing I can do about it. Wow. Amazing that I feel like you mm-hmm. turned it into something very positive though. I try to. Sometimes I wish you could have tasted alcohol or because it's like, you don't understand. Like you, you don't understand mm. what people say. Oh man, you need to have this high of just drinking cold beer after work. I don't <laughs> know what that feeling is. Like, you know, I don't know if I want to know, but it's like, if you did know, then you would understand, you know, people that go, I'm eight months sober. Okay. I don't know what that means, what it's like, but okay, cool. You know, but I have other obsessions that I indulge in other than alcohol and drugs, but that's another story for another time. (laughs) I was wondering too, I know that Uh your podcast is called the HodgePodge podcast. Did you have any other names Uh or any other ideas or how did you settle on that? I got the idea. So this was the only name I had in the book. I never had another name. And it come from my senior year, high school, history class. We were doing, we were studying for like the finals or something, something along those lines. And my teacher put up like, a, it was, he was playing like Jeopardy on the whiteboard. Questions ran out, but had sticky notes covering the question. He would just take it off and you would, he would like one point, two points, five points, 10 points, whatever on the next. But if you got it right. And so he goes, Dylan, I got a category just for you. And I said, okay. And he called it the hodgepodge category. And I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. And then when I decided to start a podcast, I was like, how about the hodgepodge podcast? I mean, it was, that's not a cool story at all, but that's, that's how it happened. Nonchalant. Never another name, never thought about changing it. People get it wrong all the time, but you know what? I think that's the best word of mouth is to get the name wrong. Because it's crazy. Because it's like, oh, you're you're a hodgepodge podcast. No, I'm the, but sure. You know, because it, get, it gets the mind going. And it's like, oh, okay, I remember that. Yeah, that's cool. What's your relationship like with your parents now? You did say that you were living uh, at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good. They're me good. and my mom are like this. We, uh, me and my mom are everything. It's crazy. Dad's, it's okay. He works a lot. But I'm kind of used to that. He always worked a lot. You know, I was practically raised by my mom and we lived literally 15 steps from my grandma. So I was raised by them too. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. It's better than it was, but is it like I want it to be? No, not really. But it's good though. We get in arguments, but if you live with people, you're going to get in arguments anyways. Pretty sure you and your husband get in arguments all the time. Oh yeah. 
but no, I think I think it grows as you get older because you realize, oh wow, it's not gonna be long until they're not here. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's not gonna be long. I love that your grandmother has been so close, like because I grew up like that, where I had all four of my grandparents mm-hmm. literally like almost within walking distance of where I lived in Kentucky. Really? And part of the theme of my show really is including intergenerational wisdom. Uh, okay. Do you feel like you've learned from including the other generation in your life? Like you did say you realize that life is short and soon you're going to be there. Do you feel like that Mm -hmm. helps you follow your dreams sometimes? Or like, I'm just going to do what I love doing because life is too short. Well, get this. Where I'm at now is where I grew up. We moved a couple of times before we ended up back here. So right now, this where I'm at, my studio, this used to be my grandmother's house, right? We used to live... To the left of me used to be a double wide trailer, and we lived there till I was fifth grade. On top of the hill, another 15 steps was my aunt and her husband and my cousin, and they lived in a double wide trailer as well. So, what I learned from two different generations, because I'll use my mom, for example, or three actually my mom, my grandma, and my cousin. I learned a lot about music from my cousin. She's four years older than me. I learned a lot. I learned, you know, that's where I first heard John Mayer. For the first time in my life, I heard John Mayer there and I said, whoa, I don't know what I heard. I was, geez, six, seven. And I was, because I grew up on country music. That's all I was allowed to listen to because everything else was devil music. So I would go there and I would indulge in the devil music because she listened to hip hop. She listened to rock. She listened to, so I'd go up there and be like, hey, can we go listen to music? And that was where the first, like I, first time I heard Nickelback, first time I heard Aerosmith and Kiss and all my favorites today, but especially John Mayer. But then I would go down to my grandma's. She would always have Elvis Presley, Kenny Rogers, Chris Christopherson, Oh, I, I'm blanking on their name, but an old quartet, the gospel quartet, you always have those going in the background. And I learned from music. And I think a lot of people that grew up in the South grew up on music. Like I, I have a certain like similarity to a radio host in Nashville. And it's like, I'm like, well, I grew up somewhat because he grew up in Arkansas. And I'm like, I grew up a lot, a whole heck of a lot, just like you. You know what I mean? It's like, just like you. Yeah, I learned from music and that helped me appreciate my love for music and it went full circle and I started the podcast because I love music. I love that. Do you feel like it's kind of accompanied your childhood? Like certain music, music reminds you of things? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'll hear a song and sometimes I'll be like, I can't listen to that song because I remember where I was at and I did not like that situation. Like there's a certain song every time I like, it's one of those where you have to turn it because it's going to make you reminisce a little bit. You know what I mean? You ever have those? And it was a Phil Vassar. He was a country singer back in the early 2000s. And the song was American Child. And I can remember every time I hear it, Rita, every time I'm in the back of my mom's car, going to school. For some reason, it played every morning at school for some reason. And now it's like, oh, you hear it. You're like, damn, I can see myself five, six years old going to school. But that's what I love about music. That's what I love about it. It's amazing to what music can do because it's going to put you in a certain spot in your life. I can't explain what music is to me. I can't because it's it's everything. 
It was my first love. It was my first consideration of, whoa, am I doing what what I'm supposed to be doing in life or is music actually what I need to be doing? Somewhat in the music development. And I was like, man, I started taking guitar lessons because of music. I started doing everything because I heard music. It was the turning point. I also want to do a lot of other things that I haven't done. (laughs) What else do you want to do? No, I want to have a break. (laughs) I want to have a break, just sit down and not have to worry about, oh man, what's next on the calendar? What's next here? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want to do. I just want to sit down and be like, you know what? I want to binge this show from beginning to end. And it has an entire six seasons. I want to do that without having to worry about, I got 35 minutes to catch the first 35 minutes of this 45 minute show before I have to go do something. You know, I just want that break where it's like, you know what? I don't have to do this for a living, like, you know, do it for a living, but you know, I would love to do this for a living, but not have to go, oh, I have to do this. And then I have to go to work because I have to make a living. You know what I mean? It's, I, I want all those things. That makes sense. I know. I feel like we're all under such time constraints that wouldn't it be nice to just have literally a week with not one thing on your calendar? Well, because I live like, I live my life like this. It's like, oh, I watched 44 minutes, like uh, an average show is what, 45 minutes, something like that. It's like, I'm going to watch 45 minutes of this show. You start five minutes in and my brain goes, wait, why am I watching the 45 minute show when I could be doing something else? And then I'll stop and then I'll go do that something else. And I'm like, I did this for 45 minutes when I could have watched an episode of a show and been almost done with it. Like it's every day. It's like, should I read a book? Okay. I'm reading 30 minutes. No, you need to catch up on this for 30. It's, it's a never ending thing. And it, that's, that's where my anxiety comes from. Cause I stress out a lot. <laughs> Cause I think that because there's unlimited time in the day, but I think that there is a certain time that you have to hit things when there's not, I put myself on a time restraint when I don't have to, and it kills me. It kills me at the end of the day. I can relate to that so much because I've put like these deadlines on myself. Like when I started airing my show, I was airing it three times a week. Then I cut back to twice a week. Then I said, okay, I'm going to just do Monday, Wednesdays. And now I'm like, you know what? I could do Monday, Friday. You know what I mean? Like, why am I putting myself on these like made up deadlines? That's crazy. That's how I started my podcast out. I started just when I would record an episode, put it out that day. And if I did eight podcasts in a day, all eight would be out in one day and it would kill me because it was like, why am I doing? Because for one, you're not highlighting one person a week or one episode a week. You're highlighting eight different people in a day. So I just had to quit because it was killing me. It was like, because you're thinking, you're like, I want to get episode 100 as quick as possible. That way you can say you have something. But then you look back and you're like, yeah, but those first 100 weren't good. If you would have taken your time, you know what I mean? Like if you would have taken your time, you would have got there and it would have been pretty good. That's true. I really appreciate that because I feel like if I only put out two a week and I space them out a little bit more, then I'm able to market them better Mm -hmm. and I'm able to actually interact with the posts versus making Mm -hmm. myself crazy trying to quality control everything that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's way easier once you go once a week. Like I do, I do a movie review and then I do a podcast. So they they all go up, but both go up on Monday. But that's that's easy. It's it's not easy. It's, it's stressful, but it's especially the video. I don't know if you ever put videos up on YouTube, but those those are pains in the butt when you have to edit them. Oh, my goodness. They take forever to do. I can't imagine the life of a YouTuber that constantly videos their life and they have to edit down a six hour video to 20 minutes. There's no way. There is no way. There's no way I can do that. Just just a 45 minute conversation and they say something and then they're like, oh, I need to edit it out. And you talked about that for 30 
you, then you got a 15 minute pie. It, it's crazy. And it's like, ah, oh. yep. I don't put them all on there. It's, it's too much. See, I didn't. I did it, and then I realized that YouTube has a bigger view platform than the podcast because everybody's there. And so I could not market, like, I've never marketed a YouTube video. I've always said, you know, when a podcast goes up, listen everywhere, podcast, and YouTube. That's all I say or all I put. And the videos sometimes are bigger on YouTube than they are on the podcast. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy what YouTube does. I may be late. I may not put one up every week, but I put them all up at some point. Okay, that's actually good to know. So maybe I should put up some of my older ones and re-advertise them. Mm -hmm. I would do that just because it's a lot easier. YouTube views kind of streams, right? So if you have 6,000 views on YouTube, plus you have 20,000 views on podcasts, you've got 26,000 streams. It's a bigger audience. Any other tips? That's all I figured out so far. (laughs) Anything you'd like to ask my dad? Daddy, do you love me? That's my question. Do you love me? I'm going to go kiss Destroyer from 1970. And be like, Do you love me? That's a great one. I love that. And you know what? Everybody wants to be loved. Eh, I could take it or give it. Really? Take it or leave it. I'm okay. I'm okay. Do you say it often? Nope. My you know mom. I feel like I have a hard time with it too. Here's my thing. And I don't, I don't know if you're trying to close this down, but I'll say this. I don't say it very often. And I have my reasons, but I got some nephews, right? I got two nephews, one that's three. One that's just turned one this month. They're everything, right? You couldn't imagine. You've got kids, but it's like you want what's best for them. And so I think what my best for them is actually going to hurt them because it's like, if I say I love you to them and then something is to happen, my brother and his wife divorce or whatever, and they just leave and they don't ever see you again, then it's going to hurt them less to not see you because you didn't tell them that. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Where it's like, if you don't say it, they're not going to miss you as much as the person that says it. So you're trying to protect them, but in actuality, you're hurting them. I see the love for your nephews though. And those pictures that you have on Instagram, <laughs> even if you don't say it, yeah. I think they know it. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I've stayed off, I've stayed off Instagram for a while because people piss me off on social media. There's this thing about an hour away and his love for the movie Cars on Disney like Lightning McQueen and Mater. I've seen all three of those movies a thousand times a piece, right? Take it or leave it, you like it or not. But he went and saw them. This person just like bought a red car, looks just like it. And so he was having a fit. He was, oh my God, oh, 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 you know, whatever. And I was like, I took a picture and I put it on Instagram. I was like, he has met his hero. He's three. People were pounding me because I said he met his hero. And a hero shouldn't be a a mythological object. A hero should be someone you look up to. And I'm like, bitch, he is three years old. This is his favorite movie of all time. Why can't you leave me alone? And just, it was, for one, a joke. Because I try to, I find myself funny. But I was like, it's a joke. And I was like, you know what? I see how toxic social media is. I'm just going to promote my podcast every week. And I'm pretty much just going to stay out. Like, I've deleted it off my phone. I just got it on laptop. I'm kind of done just because people are people you know you don't have to answer this but in hearing you say mm-hmm. that you're afraid to love them because you're like worried if something goes wrong then mm-hmm. is that from you know your own situation you think like from your childhood I don't know maybe I, I'm just I, I I don't know it's just I've never I've never been that type of person that just free throws it out there it could be I, it could be I'm, I'm, I need to go to therapy but uh <laughs> it could be <laughs> Oh man. Well, I can't wait to hear what my dad has to say about that. I'm sure he'll have some wisdom to throw in. 
<laughs> oh man is there anything that i didn't ask you that you want to share i'm an open book so whatever you want to know i'm i'm here for it any you other poems everything, then, no. any other journal entries that you I, discovered i discovered a lot actually <laughs> i found a journal entry that i wrote when the world went to hell here a year and a half ago and people were freaking out because the black community and the LGBTQ community was kind of, you know, when when that thing happened with the police officer, they were tearing up the streets and they were doing this. You know, I people are just people are crazy. And politics is one thing that irritates me if you don't know what it's about. I'll say this. I don't really have a connection with my family anymore. Like my mom, dad, sure. Fine. You know, whatever. But when I vote, when I come out, I said I voted for Joe Biden instead of Donald Trump. Holy shit. I'm telling you. My uncle, who I was probably the closest with in all the family, started hounding me, calling me names, bullying me. I mean, he put a, a gif or a gif, whatever you want to call it, up sheep, right? And they were jumping over a fence. And there was a black sheep at the end. And it was circled and said, you. And I was like, and that's why I don't like getting into politics. People, I, I could get into a rent here, but I'm not. But like, so politics has pretty much ruined my family experience just because it's like, who cares, man? Who you're gonna live the same way anyways? Who gives a shit who's running the place? You know what I mean? I don't care. I have a say so because I voted. You don't have a say so if you didn't vote. So what's the matter? I'm totally with you. Not only has it ruined your family, it's ruined the nation. Yeah. But see, I love having conversations and arguments with people that are knowledgeable on both sides, like myself. Mm-hmm. I'm knowledgeable about the Republican side because I grew up that way, but I'm also studying the new Dem- the Democrat way. My, one of my other uncles is the same way. So I'll have a conversation, argue with him all day long because I know it's friendly and I know he's going to understand my point and I'm going to send his point at the end of the day. I appreciate so, that. I mean, it's crazy. Can I get you to do like a fun little introduction of yourself? Like this is Dylan Hodge, host of the HodgePodge podcast, the biggest podcast in the state of Mississippi. And you are listening to the Better Call Daddy podcast. Amazing. I love that. Thank you. Okay, cool. This has been amazing. I'm so glad we reconnected. Been great. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. We're doing HodgePodge. HodgePodge, and he's into rocking and rolling. And he's a mover and a shaker, and he's doing what he loves. But what he's also doing is doing something that also helps him with all of his emotions as well. You know, there's a lot of people that really depend on music to make themselves feel better. And uh, he wants to feel good all the time and just loves music, loves the therapeutic part of it. And he even, even likes to hear a sad story where he likes quiet music that tells a story because that's partly his story is where he's able to feel the emotion and the compassion and it makes him feel better. And isn't it interesting also that his podcast is also a way for him to express himself as well as hear guests of other people where he uses it as a learning tool as well for not only his guests, but for himself. It is a, another way of communication in the modern times and where you can be your own filter, you can be your own person, you can have other people be part of a discussion and a learning experience where you don't have to meet someone else's standards. You can meet your own standards. And that's really just a wonderful communication if you want to put the work into having your own podcast. Look at all the different variables that you learn by running a podcast. 
I also liked what he said is that to take a course online or to read a book or to do something where you are doing the learning and or forcing yourself to learn without instruction of someone having to hold your hand, I think it's healthy for everybody to be able to learn on your own. You really want to hear a, an enlightened piece of wisdom. Even if you go to college or you go to school, you have teachers that are there and they're helping many students, don't get me wrong, but the only person that's going to grasp the information and be able to answer the questions and give you the answers is you really have to find it yourself. They really are there to teach you how to learn for yourself as well. So that is really where you get the most out of anything is if you really apply yourself and figure it out where you do it on your own. And uh, you're going to get the best results out of anything that you study. Nice to get encouragement. It's nice to get uh, have a mentor. It's nice to have all of these other things to drive and push you a little bit. But the ultimate goal is you got to be able to do it yourself. It's a tough lesson. It sure is. Of course, one of his questions is, do I love you? I do love you, that you've been able to overcome adversity. And it takes a, a big man to go into a bar, tell your dad, it's time for you to get out of there. It's time for you to give up this alcohol and come home to your family. And if you're not going to do it, okay, at least I gave it my best shot. And I'm going to go home and be with mom and with grandma. I'm going to move on and live my life. He's going to rise above it. He's going to find another outlet, which is what he's doing. He's doing an outlet of where he allows music and to be involved in it, to not only be his passion, but his therapy. And hopefully he can make a living at it too. Yeah, that was a tough conversation to have. Daddy, it's time yeah. to leave. If you're not going to leave, I'm never doing that. That was a big promise that he made to his mom. And the truth of the matter is, is that that's part of what's making him a better person. Is he's able to overcome the flaws of his father by promising his mom to be the man that father should have been, but that he's going to be. I think that might be the title right there, Overcoming Flaws of My Father. That's quite a big Pretty responsibility. Powerful. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 